Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Diverse, but not divided. Who has a favorite of something? Maybe a favorite ice cream or a favorite food or a favorite TV show. All right, we all have favorites, correct? Like, it's not bad to have favorites of things. That's a general, like, if you don't have favorites of something, you're just indecisive. I'm just being real. Like, what's your favorite ice cream? Uh, I hate those conversations. Like, okay, next. Um, we all have favorites, right? Like, there are things that we have that are our favorites. It's okay to have favorites for those types of things because they are seemingly harmless. However, um, I believe, and again, I don't mean to be a, a generalist or kind of generalize things or, or, or maybe speak negative words over our culture, but I believe that our culture has taken our favoritism in harmless things and has put it also into things that really matter. Where people have favorites when it comes to people or ethnicities or social classes or whatever that may be, that our culture in general is a culture of favorites, and that's not right. See, it's okay to have certain favorite things, but to be a culture of favorites, that's very, very different. And you see it in the way that it, it manifests itself in, in all types of, of, of settings. Again, whether it be in our government, in our leadership, or, or if I'm really being candid with you, I believe uh, in, in Christianity especially. Um, if, if I'm going to be really straightforward with you, I don't think that Christians have really helped themselves in this category for, I don't know, the last century-ish. Like, I don't understand what has happened, but one of the hardest things, for me anyway, is when I talk to people about coming to Sozo or just checking out church or just even talking about Jesus, one of the first responses I get are, oh, I don't know, man, Christians are too judgmental. I, that, that, that kills my heart. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could be accepted there. I don't know if they would love me or accept me. I, I'm, I'm not into that. Where have we gotten it wrong? Where the Bible is so clear when it says you cannot have, you should not show favoritism, you should not be prejudiced towards people, but somehow Christians have become the most prejudiced group known to man. And it's sad because as people of true faith, we cannot live that way. That's what the book of James is all about. It's about living a life of true faith. And so today, we're going to pick apart something that's, I would say, a roadblock in, in, our, in our journey of faith, meaning something that can really separate us from having true faith. And this is how James says it right here. In the, uh, in the first verse, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? What is he saying? Simply, what's the bottom line? What he's saying is true faith does not have favorites. That's the first thing if you're taking notes. True faith does not have favorites. That's just not how it works. What he's really saying is, hey, everyone, you claim to love Jesus. You claim to have faith. But, but how, do you, how do you claim that when you show favorites towards certain people? Because that's not how God functions. How do you claim that you have true faith when you have a prejudice against certain people? What he's saying is that true faith and favoritism, they can't coexist. That faith and prejudice, they cannot coexist. That's just not how it works. And, and I believe that Pastor Jason broke it down last week. If you missed it, you, you got to check out the podcast. But what he was saying is that James, you know who James is talking to? James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, is talking to people who were Jewish, who were already oppressed for many different reasons, exiled out of their cities. They were now Christians. They were Jewish Christians, so meaning they believed in the teachings of Jesus, and the Romans hated Christians. They even fed them to lions. 
that's weird. And not only that, but they were also poor. We have poor Jewish Christians here who he's talking to, people who have every right and probably every angle to be prejudiced or to, to show judgment towards other people. And he's saying, that's, that's not how it works. That's not how God works. That You cannot say that you have faith and have favoritisms because true faith does not have favorites. That's just, that's just not how it works. And to be sure they got it, James continued to break it down. He says this, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting. I love how it says, it's not just into your church service. Or, suppose someone comes into your circle. And, and, and this is what he says. He says, um, dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another person comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or I'll sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? He's really breaking it down here. Has anyone ever been to a party before? Okay, y'all are not too holy to be at parties. I know all you guys have been. I, that was like a test question. I know you've all been to parties. We've all been to these social settings, and, and we've been to these places where everyone's hanging out, relaxed, and there's that one person that walks into the room, and everyone just wants to suck up to them, right? And I don't mean because of a mantle of leadership. That's a very different conversation. Like influence and leadership, those are all fantastic things. But I mean maybe someone in this example who has a, a lot of money or, or something like that, they come in and everyone wants to suck up to them because they feel that there is something that they can gain from a relationship with them. They, they, they pursue that. And, and here's the deal, though, is James is not just talking about money here. I believe that this is an example that he paints because, again, they are poor Jewish Christians, so they can relate with this. But I don't think he just means wealth when it comes to finances because having, being wealthy, that's not a bad thing. I think that he means wealth when it, when it could also be com coming to power. Maybe there's someone who has a lot of power that comes into the setting. And so you gravitate towards that person because you believe, if I can just talk to them, I can go up another step in my ladder. Or maybe there's someone who's wealthy when it comes to, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe their friend group or, or their network. We live in a city especially, but in a culture that believes your, your network is your net worth. And I believe that there are some cases that would really support that. However, if we're talking about God's kingdom and God's economy, that's just not how it works. That's just not how it works. It doesn't matter what you can gain from somebody. That's not what God wants you to chase after. James is saying if you treat some people differently because of a certain status or a certain uh, level of wealth, whether it be within money or power or whatever that is, that's showing prejudice. And true faith cannot have favorites. True faith cannot exist with prejudice. That's just not how it works. I love how Maya Angelou says it. She says prejudice is a burden that confuses the past threatens the future, and renders the present inaccessible. That's an incredible quote. It's so powerful, man. Prejudice, it, it just, it, it tears us apart. And what's sad is that if, again, being really honest, I believe that we're, we're taught prejudice. Actually, I know that we're taught prejudice. There's a, a, a guy who, I don't know if they have a quote on the, on the screen, but it's prejudice is a learned trait. You're not born prejudice. You are taught it. You're, you don't come out as a baby, like, hating other people. That's just not how it works. You were taught prejudice. Again, it could be from our leadership or our government. It, it could be from the people that we surround ourselves with. We're taught prejudice in our schools. And you're like, Nate, no, we're not. Oh, let me prove you wrong. Have you ever done a group project? Anybody? Who's done a group project before? Okay, who hates group projects? Me, I wish I had six hands I could put up. I hate group projects. 
Who loves group projects? Let me, let me see it. Don't, don't be ashamed. Oh, we got one right there. A couple, a couple. Okay. Um, do you want to know why, uh, why we hate group projects? It's because of people like you who love them. Because everybody knows a group project's not a group project. It's one person doing all the work, and everyone else is like, what's up? <laughs> That's just, and so then what happens is the next time the teacher comes up, we have a group project. You're like, forget that guy. I am not working with Greg again. He is so, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we put each other at odds. As a culture, we start to put each other at odds. And that's what prejudice is, is when we put each other at odds based off of what we feel that we can or cannot gain from them. And we can't live that way because true faith does not have favorites. True faith cannot exist with prejudice. And James goes on to talk about it in verses 5. And you can read this on the screen, but he says this. He kind of, again, breaks it down even more. Listen to me. Dear brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? I, I, I really am excited to break this down because I think there's a lot of things that James is really talking about here. But the bottom line, I guess, for something, a header you could write down is this, is that what prejudice does is prejudice creates division. Prejudice creates division. See, I think there's really two main thoughts or two main things that James is really breaking down in this. And the first one would be this, is, is that many times um, the people who, who are rich, meaning, again, not just in, in money, that's, that's not what he's saying, but people who feel like they have it all together, like they're all filled up, there's no room for any more, they're so much more likely to reject a Savior or reject anything else coming into their life. Right? Like you, you look for, he's kind of saying you look for acceptance and love from all these people, but they feel like they have it all together. So what you're going to find is that that's going to be a really hard road. And those are the same people that are so easy to reject Jesus because they feel like they have it all together. But we all know that when you dig deep down, no matter what social class, no matter what social setting or whatever, when you really dig deep down, you realize that there are things that people are going through. I think that sometimes the people who feel like they have the most together are, are probably the ones that actually have the least together, but that's a different conversation, different message. But the second thing that I really think he's trying to, to paint in this, in this picture of, of what he's talking about is when we put people in boxes, meaning when we, we, you know, we kind of compartmentalize people, rich versus poor, or uh, I don't know, popular versus unpopular, or black versus white, or whatever prejudice that you may want to put against these people, what we do is we separate people from who God has made them to be, meaning we're separating in our minds what we think about them versus what God says about them, which ultimately leads to this. We're separating our vision from God's vision. Because prejudice creates division. Not just in our circle or in our community, but prejudice actually creates division from us and God. Because we stop seeing like he sees. We stop talking like he talks. We stop thinking like he thinks. Prejudice creates division. It creates division. And what we do is, is, is as a, a society, it's so easy for us to draw our circle so small. Right? Like we draw this little circle around us and anybody who kind of looks like us or talks like us or acts like us, those are the people that can get close enough. But you know what the Bible also says in, in Matthew? It says you're the light on the world, the city on a hill. You know what a city is? A city is diverse. 
A city has different jobs, different social classes, different uh, political views, different uh, whatever, different ethnicities. A city is diverse. So here's my challenge to you. If everybody in your circle looks like you, walks like you, acts like you, talks like you, does the same job that you do, you are not a city, you're a suburb. Right? You're not a city, you're a suburb. You keep the same people around you and your circle is so small. You need to draw your circle bigger. Let in people who are unlike you, who may think differently than you, they may act differently than you because that's when, when beautiful things happen. I love the word collaboration. That means two people coming together and working on something. Who are you collaborating with? Are you collaborating with the same few people? Are you reaching out? Are you actually talking to people who are different than you and seeing what can be made when you collaborate with others that may not be quite like us? You need to draw your circle bigger. We have a saying that if you're, as Sozo, we we actually just laid this out to to our our dream team and our leadership team, that if you're going to be a leader within Sozo, we have a a, a statement that we are united. Turn to someone and say united. Turn to someone and say united. And and the picture that we paint, or the, the, I guess, the imagery that I love to associate with is the longer the chain, the further the reach. And that's almost like a no-duh statement, like, okay, are you dumb? Like, yes, no kidding. The longer the chain, the further the reach. But this is why we paint this picture, because what is a chain made out of? It's made out of links, right? And we can choose how many links we add to our chain. And I feel like a lot of us, we're living a, a lot of really short chain lives, we're not, we're not connecting with other people. We're not drawing our circle big enough. So our life kind of looks like a really small chain, and we have no, I can't reach Josh with this chain because it's too short. I don't have enough people. I'm not collaborating enough. I'm not uniting enough with other people who are different than me in order to reach Josh. But when we start to live a life like Jesus called us to, and we start to draw our circle bigger, and we add more links to our chain, well, what happens is the further our chain gets, the longer our chain gets, the further the reach. And so now if I want to, I can reach Josh and he's another link and he can go out and reach somebody else. And so the longer that we make our chain, the further our reach is. The more we can reach people in in their social settings, the more that we can reach people in our schools, in our workplaces. When we become united, when we make our chain longer, the further our reach becomes. And that's why I love Sozo Church. Do you want to know what we do? As Because uh, I think it's bizarre to me how for so many years, I can take the chain back, uh, how for so many years, even churches have separated themselves. We've had denominations where Methodists can't hang out with Baptists and Baptists never want anything to do with Catholics or whatever, peace be with you. Like, what is going on? It's all one goal. What does it matter? And that's why I love Sozo because we partner with people from the Father's House and from Fellowship Church and from the Rock Church. We know that together what unites us is far greater than what divides us. And so we're going to make our chain longer and make our reach further for people who are so far from Jesus they need a long chain to get to him. The longer our chain, the further the reach. We've got to draw our circle bigger. We've got to stop having these small circles. You know how big God's circle is? <laughs> like, everywhere. He does, I don't even know if he has a circle. He's like, hey, what's up, everybody? Like, that's how he works. We got to make sure that we don't let prejudice divide us. We got to draw our circle bigger. And that leads me, uh, I guess, to, to the last thing that James really kind of breaks down here. And I'm gonna, this one, I'm going to give you the, the thought first and then kind of support it is this. 
is that not only does true faith not show favorites, not, not only do, does prejudice create division, but you're like, well, how do, I, how do I get rid of that? How do I take a step further and cancel that out? Well, you've got to cancel judgment with mercy. That's the, that's, that's the, the ending part that we're going to talk about. You've got to cancel judgment with mercy because like we talked about, a lot of prejudice and a lot of favoritism, it comes from a lot of judgment, right? We judge other people so harshly as a community. But you need to cancel out judgment with mercy. Read with me in verses 8. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law For one person who keeps all the laws except for one is as guilty as the person who's broken all of God's laws. So whatever you say, whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Let me say it like this. I love in the message. It says, talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. Just for a moment, the rule that sets us free. I love how backwards Jesus is, right? Like, Jesus, the same God who says you got to die to live, you got to lose to gain, you got to serve to lead. He says, no, you got to be under a law to be set free. It's so beautiful how he works like that. For if you refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment Every time. Turn to someone and say, every time. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. I love that. I, I love that because mercy, I feel like it's one of those things. That it, sometimes people can see it as a cop-out because mercy just covers a lot, right? Like, if you're merciful, you're gracious. If you're merciful, you're loving. If you're merciful, you're kind. But kind mercy cancels out harsh judgment every time. But the issue is, is for some reason, our culture is so quick to judge and to go back and into what he was saying before when he says, you know, when, when one person com, uh, commits or breaks one law and the other person breaks every law, they're on the same playing field. I think as people, what we do is we compartmentalize sin. We compartmentalize the laws that we want to relate with or not. And so we say, yeah, I know I lied, but that guy, he cheated on his wife. Or, yeah, I know I did this, but man, you should hear what they did. And we, we, again, we put ourselves at odds with the people around us. That gets us nowhere. That doesn't help anybody's case. But kind mercy, that wins over harsh judgment every time. And I believe, and this could just be a, a stab in the dark here, but I believe that we do that because ultimately our culture is, is, is really insecure. I don't know what has happened. And, and I'm, not saying that it's, I'm not saying that we're oversensitive. We could talk about that a different day, but I feel like, all in all, I feel like our culture is very insecure because they don't know who they are. And so if you don't know who you are or what you should be because you don't know who God is, well, then no kidding, you're going to push the blame off on everybody else. But when you become secure in who God has made you to be and you know who he is, then you can be secure enough to accept those around you who might not look like you. You've got to be a lot more secure in who God has made you to be. Clint Eastwood, he says, the less secure a man is, the more likely he is to have extreme prejudice. How secure are we in who God has made us to be? And maybe you're in here and you've, you've never come to church before. You're like, this is my first time. Like, this is weird. 
But let me just tell you, I, I can guarantee you this. The more that you find out about your life, the more that you find about, out about Jesus, the more he, he shows you who you truly are and the more secure you become. If we want to really be able to show that kind mercy, we got to be a lot more secure. And you're like, Nate, well, I, but you don't understand. I've been hurt in the past. I've been really hurt by people, so obviously I'm going to judge them, or I don't agree with what they say, so obviously I'm going to judge them. Let me tell you this. You don't have to agree with someone to accept them. Do you know that? You don't need to agree with someone to accept them. Do you think that God agreed with you and all of your sin, all your mistake before he accepted you? No. You don't need to agree with someone to accept them. And how do we combat this? How do we, how do we get close enough? And, and how do we really cancel this out? And, and, and I kind of gave it away. Is the only way that we can ever have a true heart for people and have real mercy for people is to get close to them. You got to get close. Because in my life, and I'm not saying my life's super long, I, I just from learning from other people and doing life and, and just figuring things out, I've learned this, that distance, it creates division, but proximity, it creates passion. When you are so distant from something, you don't know how to feel about it. That's why I think it's bizarre that these people who are in such high, high levels of leadership who have never talked with someone for a day or walked in their shoes for 10 seconds are making these blanket statements about these people groups on national television. You don't even know what it's like. So no kidding you're divided from the issue because you're not close enough. If we want to get passionate about people, we want to get to know who they are, we got to get close to them. You're not, you're not passionate about the homeless. You don't care about the homeless. Get close to them. Find out why they're there. Find out what, what goes on in their day-to-day. See what their life is like and then tell me, oh, yeah, I'm still not passionate about it. But watch how God changes your heart. You're not passionate about young people or the next generation, but you decide to sit and complain about them all the time. Get close. Get, find somebody who might be in, in the next generation that you can raise up and you can value and love on and watch how God changes your heart for that generation because the closer we are, the more passionate we get about them. If we want to cancel out judgment with mercy, we got to get close. we got to make sure that, that, that we're doing what it is that, that Jesus has called us to do, that we don't show prejudice. And that, that, we, that we live the way that James talks about here in, this, in these verses. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Just as we bow our heads, I, we're going to pray in just a moment, but I, I just want to paint a little bit of a picture for you. Well, maybe Because maybe you're in here and you're still kind of looking for an example. You're like, okay, cool, that's what James says, but how do I know that that's right? How do I know that that this is what I have to do? How do I know I should get close to people? How do I know that, that that's how I should live? Well, let me, I guess, paint you the biggest, like, or the best example of all is the example of Jesus. Do you know what God did for you? How much God loved you? Though he had every right, and every, I mean, if he's all-powerful God, where he had every right and every reason where he could judge you the way that he wanted, but instead of judging you, he showed you kind mercy, and he got close to you, so close to you that he became man, lived on this earth, and died a death for you so that you could have closeness again with him. And so maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, know if, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if I can do this. Well, I, I can guarantee you this, that if, if you just allow God into your heart, that he'll help you along the way, that he'll help cancel out your prejudices, and he will unite us, that we can be diverse and not divided in our church, in our cities, 
in our workplaces. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Father God, for today. I pray that right now that you would just be with us in this place. That as we talk today about something that can so easily cancel out true faith, Father God, that you're able to work in our heart in a whole new way so we can see people the way that you see them. That we're no longer divided from your vision and your plan for them, but God, we are united together and we are united with you so that we can bring this thing home, that we can make our chain longer and reach more people further because that's how you've called us to live. God, I pray that we walk out of here encouraged, not discouraged, but encouraged to make a difference. I pray that this is not just a message that stays in Sozo Church, but God, that this is a message that bleeds out into our workplaces, into our life. God, I pray that that this city can see a new form of quote-unquote Christians, that they realize that you are not judgmental, Father God, that even though the years have passed and there have been so many reasons for them to feel like you are just going to judge them, but God, that they would know that your kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time, and we can live that out every day of our lives. All of this, in your amazing name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.